0: I said, I don't want to be the CEO of somebody else's dreams. I don't want to help them. I know I can grow my own dreams if I really put my mind to it. And so it actually was a very specific moment where I knew I was going to be leaving my job very quickly. I was in the process of buying a company. And then after that, a couple months later is when I decided to move exclusively into apartment investing.
1: Hi, you're listening to That Really Happened, unbelievable real estate stories. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. If you're a real estate investor, this is the podcast for you. Our guest speakers will bring you amazing, intriguing, and unbelievable stories about real estate investing. The stories will be an honest and transparent account about what it actually means to invest in real estate. You'll hear stories that investors don't usually share. Stories about hardships, breaking points, painful truths, and surprising realizations. Sometimes there's a happy ending... And sometimes the story ends very differently than you would expect. So let's get the show started. Hello and welcome to That Really Happened, unbelievable real estate stories. I'm Ellie Perlman, here to bring you the personal side not often heard from the most successful, interesting and entrepreneurial people who made it big in real estate. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties and help investors like yourself join me on all my deals so they can get double-digit returns without the need to find, negotiate, close, and manage the property. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to subscribe to the show. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and basically everywhere. You can go to my website, ElliePerlman.com to subscribe to the show. Today I'm talking with Tamar Mar, an investor and a proponent of intentional lifestyle design. Interesting aspect of living and investing in real estate. Tamar has nearly 20 years of experience working in the startup and small business arena. She often says that she's the CEO of her dreams and consistently focuses on ways to maximize business opportunities and generate enough passive income to be financially free and curate the lifestyle she and her family desired. Tamar has been investing in real estate since she was 19 years old. Her company, The Morado Group, is focused on the acquisition of underperforming multifamily and commercial properties where she can work with her team to stabilize the assets and accelerate returns for her investors. Tamara is a mom of three kids. And when she's not working on her latest venture, she loves traveling, gardening, kayaking, hiking, skiing playing on a beach, boogie boarding, and pretty much anything where you can enjoy the beautiful outdoors with her family. Tamara's story is interesting because she's going to share with us how she went from three doors to over 115 doors in just over a year. Hey Tamara, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Ellie, good to be here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to, to have you here. So Tamara and I actually connected yesterday on a very interesting joint conversation with female real estate entrepreneurs. So it was really great to chat with her before the interview today. And I'm happy to have you and happy to, you know, chat with you today and, and tell, you know, hear your story about how you managed to scale from three doors to 115 doors.
0: Right on. I'm willing to share everything.
1: <laughs> Great. So why don't we start with the beginning? You were 19 years old, maybe 18 years old at the time. Can you tell us, take the listeners back to, you know, that time? Where were you? What were you doing right before you kind of started investing in real estate?
0: Yeah. So when I was 19, I I was a full-time corporate employee and a full-time college student And I've always been hyper-responsible since the time I came out of the womb and everybody knew that about me. And it was kind of a fluke thing that a friend, a married couple that I knew, they were selling their townhouse and I had a pretty decent salary at the time for a 19 year old. And I thought, ah, oh, that sounds cool. Maybe I'll buy a house. Cause that's kind of how the way I approach life. Like something just comes up and I'm like, that sounds cool. Or that's an opportunity. Why not? It doesn't scare me. So I just, I bought my first house when I was 19. Cause that's what normal 19 year olds do. And it wasn't an investment per se at the time, but it was my first four way into buying something by myself. So, fast forward years later, my husband and I actually became accidental landlords. I got married when I was 22, 23, and we moved into a house that we bought. And a month after we moved in, we found out that I was getting a promotion that would take us across the country to Minnesota. So we're like, oh, okay. Well, we never unpacked our boxes because we were moving four months later and we rented out that house for four years and it practically paid the mortgage for both of the houses that we owned because we bought another house when we moved across the country. So that was kind of my first example of being a landlord and it was a pretty sweet setup because I was able to pump a lot of money into savings and set us up for the future. And I really didn't get super into it and into like landlording, I guess, until about four years ago. And at the time, I was the COO of a company on Wall Street, a regulatory solutions company. And I had helped other people grow their businesses several times. And I just knew that if I could help other people do it, I could do my own business on my own. I just have that spirit about me, just like going back to that 19-year-old where I'm never really scared to do anything. And I'm always, I was always the person like taking charge of all the projects in school because I wanted it done right. And I wanted it done perfect, you know? Mm -hmm. So I told my husband that I, I wanted to start a company and it all came down to building a real estate empire that we were going to live off eventually. So I did that for about four years while I was working full time. And we bought houses off of auction, sight unseen, took our whole family, renovated them on the weekends, put renters in there. But at some point I realized that it wasn't gonna help me reach my passive income goals fast enough because we were only doing about one house every nine months because we were using our own funds to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's when I decided among a bunch of other reasons to leave my full-time job and really pursue investing with gusto because I knew if I put everything into it and my full time into it, all my passion and my work ethic, that I could crush it. So uh, I started a syndication business beginning of 2017 and just jumped in right away and got going and was able to pull down four apartment complexes in the first 14
1: months. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit more about raising a million dollars in 24 hours. How did you manage to do that?
0: So... I like using the strategy where when I have a deal in place, when I have a deal under contract and I feel fairly confident that it's I'm going to move forward with it, it's usually still during the due diligence phase though. So I I put together a nice email to my warm contacts that I have a pre-existing relationship with, key. And I usually say, Listen, I have this awesome deal. Here's some of the really high-level points on it. And I maybe give, you know, five to eight bullet points. And I say, I'm still in the due diligence phase. There might be something that comes up that makes us not do this deal, but this is on a first come first served basis. So if you want to reserve your spot in line right now, just shoot me back with a text or a voice or an email confirmation that you want to reserve your spot. And I do that and that's it's just an email is all and then people get back to me right away sometimes they call up with a couple of questions but they or they might reserve their spot and then follow up with more questions and the people who wait they get left out so then I put them on the waiting game I say there's a backup list for you and then sometimes I have to go back and use those people that are on the backup list and there, because there's always people that fall through
1: at the last minute, you know that. That's yes. Just, that's part of the game. <laughs> yeah. That's that definitely part of the game.
0: Yeah. And that can be a little bit wacky at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so that's it. And then I once I've gone through the due diligence phase and I'm more you know 100% confident that I want to move forward with the deal, then I put together my official marketing packet. I resend that out. I said, "Okay, you said you wanted to reserve a spot for this much money. This is what I have you down for. Please give me your final commitment. In I'd usually put a timeline on it. Whatever that timeline is at that time so that they can see all of the information from the marketing packet and then I follow up with the
1: PPM and of operating docs and things like that. How were you able to manage a business while working full time a full time job? Because that can be really, you know, overwhelming.
0: I don't get overwhelmed super easily. I think I just have one of those personalities that's like, I do four times the average human being. And I know that about myself and everybody else knows that about me. And every once in a while I just crash, like usually at the end of the day I crash. But you know, when you're just doing single family rentals and you're doing one of them, you have one project going at a time and then you get a tenant in there and then you take on another project of renovation. It's not really, I mean, I approached it as a business in that it wasn't a hobby of ours, but at the same time, we only, we mostly did the work on the weekends. So we would take our family there after they were done with sports on Saturday mornings and all day Sunday and do all the work ourselves as a family. And every once in a while, I'd go on a weeknight, but otherwise I didn't have time because I have three kids. So we just did it as a weekend gig.
1: Hmm. Interesting. And, and you did that with your husband? Yeah. Yep. How was it to work with your husband?
0: You know, on those sort of projects, we work really well together. And we had, before we went into that with buying the houses on auction, we had renovated two houses and we took... Our primary residence pretty much down to the studs for a really high-end remodel, and I managed that whole project on time and under budget. Thank you very much. <laughs> 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 so like, we there's something to this. And so I kind of acted as the GC in that, and we, I know what I'm good at, and he knows what he's good at when it comes to the renovation side of things. So it was cool, you know, and we just, it was this we, I talked to my kids sometimes about it and they're like, you know, this has made our family who we are. It's one of those things that brings us together because we all work on things together. Now with my syndication business, my apartment investing, My husband really isn't involved at all other than he needs to sign on the loans and I say, hey, I'm going to buy an apartment. He's like, okay, wife. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I run stuff by him of what's going on all the time. We always are talking shop, but he has a full-time W-2 job at Expedia and, you know, it's pretty much all on my shoulders at this point, but we are really hoping that he can leave his job in two years and we've talked about him helping me with this, maybe from an analyst side, because he's a very strong analytical person. And right now I do everything, like everything except, you know, the property management. So I don't know. We know that there are some things that we don't work well together on and that there are some things that we do and we just clearly define that. Mm -hmm. Wow.
1: That sounds, that sounds great. I want to go back to that point where you run a business As you mentioned, it was kind of a weekend, a side gig, while you have your full-time job. And then at some point... When do you understand? Can you take me back to that moment that you actually understand, you know what, this is great, but it's not sustainable and I want to go bigger and, and I want to do it fast?
0: Yeah, it was a couple months before I left my job that I think the stirring was really happening. And it came down to I was reading Robert Kiyosaki's Cash Flow Quadrant over again when I was on vacation. I always have epiphanies when I'm in Hawaii or up like on Mount Rainier or something when I'm out in the wilderness. I realized, you know, we have a certain area of our finances and investing straightened out, but I wanted to move into some of the other quadrants. So I told my husband on that trip, I want to start Investing in other businesses and starting my own like really dive into this And then it came with a confluence of some other things at the same time that was happening with with my current job And I knew it was time to move on from that I just you just sometimes you just know because of some things that are happening and then at the same time right after we got home from Hawaii There was an opportunity for us to purchase a business And so we we were in the process of purchasing a company right as I was leaving my current job And then I, you know, like I had somebody else trying to recruit me to be a CEO for a company. And I would just, it got me to a point where I thought, and this is, I guess, really the crux of it, which is I thought I can continue working for somebody else at the executive level in the management suite, but then I'm just building their own dreams. And that's why you read on my bio that I often consider myself the CEO of my own dreams. It came from a very particular moment where I thought, I don't, oh, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about this right now because I have it every once in a while it comes up and I'm like, I'm so glad I did this. (laughs) But it was, I said, I don't want to be the CEO of somebody else's dreams. I don't want to help them. I know I can grow my own dreams if I really put my mind to it. And so it actually was a very specific moment where I knew I was going to be leaving my job very quickly. I was in the process of buying a company. And then after that, a couple months later is when I decided to move, Exclusively into apartment investing.
1: Well, that's very inspiring. And I think you can definitely see the excitement in your voice and the energy, you know, when you talk about your business, and it's, it's really hard to maintain that when you're you know, working for someone else and making someone else's dream come true. So I can totally relate to that.
0: Yeah, we were all kind of talking about that yesterday, how it's Mm -hmm. like, I think that last year was the best year of my life. And every year always keeps getting better for me. I feel like life continues to evolve and just become more beautiful. But having my own company where I'm not working for somebody else but you kind of are i mean you're working for your investors every day and making sure that you're a fiduciary for their funds and there's there can be a lot of weight on your shoulders but at the same time it's really beautiful that all of the effort and i think you and i both do a ton of like pr and marketing and yeah. strategy concept all this and so when you put forth a plan when you envision a plan and then it starts to come through to fruition i feel like there is no greater joy as an entrepreneur where you're like Whoa, what I thought of is working <laughs> it 's really working and yeah it's absolutely it's like there 's a high that comes along with it, I mm-hmm. think so anyways i just and and no two days are the same
1: so yeah absolutely yeah i can I can totally relate to that and I wanted to ask you, so you flipped you know homes and and you did buy and hold of single family homes. Can you share how was your the first multifamily investment? How did you find it? How were you able to uh, raise the money for it? Or were you using your own funds? And just kind of walk us through how that looked like. And especially I'm interested in hearing, how did you feel when you were doing that? Was it scary, exciting? You know, just to kind of open the window for us to kind of see how it looked like.
0: Yeah, I have a couple of modes in life. One of them is like, I'm super excited almost all the time about everything that I'm doing because I just love life and I think everything's so fun. And then there's crash mode, like at the end of every day where I literally like fall asleep while I'm sitting up. So yeah, I was pretty excited about that first transaction and I'm to put a timeline perspective in place, I started my multifamily investing company. I said I was going to purchase my first building in March of 2017 and I wanted to purchase it by September. at least get started purchasing my first one by then because I had heard it can take a really long time to find your first deal and convince people that you're credible Mm -hmm. and all of this stuff. Well, I just don't believe that. So (laughs) I believe that let's put it out into the world what I'm going to do, I'm going to talk to everybody that I know and I'm going to make them believe me and I had meetings with a bunch of people like brokers and property managers and lenders. I said, this is my plan, this is what I'm gonna do and you're gonna be on for a wild ride if you if you join along with me here. So only two months later, I had my first property under contract. I found it on LoopNet of all places and it was just because I was in the mode of practicing underwriting all of the time. So I would probably underwrite five deals a day or something like that. And I would just look up on LoopNet or stuff I found from brokers And I analyzed one and I thought, oh, this actually works. That's really surprising. Stuff isn't supposed to work when it's on LoopNet. That just doesn't happen. And I sent it over to one of my new broker friends and he was like, this is an awesome deal. Are you kidding me? And it was the very first property that I put in an offer on. And there were five offers. And at first I was like, no, I'm not going to do it because there's already a bunch of other offers. And I hadn't talked to a single soul about raising capital yet. Like I just, in my mind, I was like a couple months off from like, getting a deal under contract. So why talk to people about raising money yet? Then I stopped myself and I said, no, I'm not gonna let somebody else intimidate me just because there's other offers in place. I said, let's do it. And it was one of those things, right? Oh, I should probably tell my husband that I have done this, but I did <laughs> <laughs> So I just went for it and it was the very first property I put an offer in and I got it. And I remember we were driving to the cabin that night when I found out that we won the bid and I was so ecstatic. It was like a super high for me. Because again, it was seeing your vision come through. So I raised the money within two weeks for it. It was a pretty small raise and it actually wasn't super hard. It, what, it, what I always like to do in life is do things that take me outside of my comfort zone. And I, I push myself to the next step, even though I don't have the answers because I love finding answers. And so in that scenario, had never raised money before. We just started talking to everybody that we knew and my husband reached out to some of his friends and then it kicked me into high gear of, I really need to start going to these investor meetings that I've never really been to before. So I went to like eight different investor clubs, You know, made some new contacts with folks there and pulled in a couple of additional investors. So I was not scared at all. I was excited but I had no
1: idea what all the answers were, but that was okay with me. So you made an offer, you got the deal and and only then you were looking for the, the capital to buy the deal?
0: Yep. Yeah. And before, you know, we had used our own capital to do the single family stuff. So we weren't used to using other people's money. I would say it got me, it took me about a year to really feel comfortable with this whole money raising thing. And now it's second nature to me. I just tell people what I'm up to and grab coffee with folks and you know, put them on my list. And now it's to the point where I can shoot out an email. And the last capital raise I did, I raised over a million dollars in less than 24 hours. Wow! So at the same point, it wasn't 24 hours. It was a year, a year of working, yeah. right? Like, you're like, And then yeah. it just comes to this moment, but you feel like it was 24 hours and you give yourself a big pat mm-hmm. on the back. But it takes a long time to establish a database where you feel comfortable enough that you can pull something together that quickly.
1: So you worked for over a year to build those relationships with all the passive investors, potential investors. Can you share, you know, how you cultivated those relationships? How, where did you meet those investors? And how do you keep someone interested for 12 months and then come, you know, come back with a deal and, and have this person say, yes, I'm in?
0: You know, I don't have a sleuth system for all of this. I, it's, it's really hard to stay in contact. And I'm a person that likes to stay in contact in purse, like, like with a phone or message, you know, voice to voice or a text or an email, not necessarily a blast, but I will say that You know, I have a podcast and I send out weekly emails for my podcast and all of my contacts are on that. And I send out quarterly newsletters for my company to tell everybody what I'm up to. And so that's how I keep in contact with a lot of them. And some of them I just have ongoing, like they've become friends. So... We're just texting back and forth about deals because we're always talking about real estate. Where did I find them? Gosh, all over the place. I mean, I travel internationally to different events for multifamily conferences. So I make some contacts there. I do public speaking right now just on the local and regional arena. But at some point, I would love to do more of a national scale as well because I love being on stage. And whenever you can provide content for folks, that is very valuable. And you show that you are confident and there's like this balance to me of being really confident, but being humble about it. And it's also saying, I don't know everything. I'll never know all the answers, but I, I can seek those resources out whenever I need to. So I feel very confident in my team and all the people around me to help me achieve the goals that I want to achieve. And that gives people confidence to therefore partner with you. Yeah, so speaking events, being on other people's podcasts like this, I always get a couple emails after that about when people hear me going to local networking events. And now it's like a thing it doesn't feel like it's hard for me anymore because I love going to my events because I see all of my new friends. Like now that I'm in this, I'm like, oh, I know you and I know you and I know you. And like just the other night I went to one and I came home after being there for three hours and I was so happy because – it's like being in a room where everybody else gets what you want to do, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you walk yeah. into a room and you're like, I am not in the right place right now. But then you walk into a room where you feel like this is your peeps. Yeah, these are, yeah, the people these
1: are your like, people. You. Yeah, exactly. I feel exactly the same. I came back from a summit in Denver two weeks ago and I was speaking there. It was basically about capital raising. And I spoke about, you know, social media and how to use social media to, to raise capital. And I felt exactly the same. I walked into a room. And and you see the same people because they're run. You're running the same circles. So those colleagues of yours and and you know the same investors are running the same circles. And that you start forming those relationships. And it feels like I felt like I was walking into all the people. There were not all, but a lot of them were my friends. And I said, "Oh, I didn't know that you were coming. That's so great." And I felt. Exactly the same, exactly like you described that I was super energized after, you know, I didn't feel like work. It didn't feel like networking. It just felt like hanging out with friends. That's when you
0: know you're on the right track, right? Yes,
1: exactly. That's how you know that you're in the right place, that you're in the, chose the right career and yeah, you're on the right track. Absolutely. Great. So started from three doors, then quit your job and just starting, you know, you just started buying multifamily properties started syndicating before you even made any you know preparation or built anything any infrastructure to to raise capital so it sounds like you're just you make up your mind and you just go and do something you don't spend too much time planning and strategizing you just decide something and you go for it and I absolutely love it I love it. And I think I have a lot to learn from you because I'm, I'm a little bit more of a strategist and it takes me a little bit of time to, to plan things. And I wish I could have done things faster.
0: Maybe that's the recovering attorney in you.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You have no idea. It never leaves you. It doesn't matter. It never leaves you. So yeah, I have a lot to learn from you. uh, I'm, I'm sure. All right, great. So, at this point, you know, what I wanted to ask you is the the question that I'm asking all my guests on the show, if you could look back and give advice to your 20-year-old self, what would you say?
0: I always have a hard time with this question because I love my life and I don't think I would have lived a lick of it differently. The, the, I don't yeah, that's I don't your really answer that, then. Yeah, I no, I just really don't have any advice for her. I
1: was I feel like I was kind of cool when I was 20. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So you're on the right path. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing.
0: Live, continue to follow your dreams. I guess maybe if there was one thing, it would be think bigger earlier. I didn't think as big when I was 20 as I think right now. And I love to just have outlandish ideas that I go after right now.
1: Mm -hmm. That's a great advice. So Tamara, where can our listeners find you?
0: Ah, I have a podcast called Investing for Life. That's at investingforlifepodcast.com. And my company website is Marota Group, which is M-A-R-O-T-A group.com. And there's something on there. You can submit a contact form and I'd be happy
1: to talk to anybody who has questions about what I'm up to. All right, great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your story about going from three to 115 doors in a year and also raising a million dollars in 24 hours. Those two stories were, were awesome. So thank you so much for sharing that with us.
0: My pleasure. Thanks, Ellie.